Odyssey. HD3 Detroit. KJAQ. HD3 Seattle. WBMX. HD3 Boston. And on AOL Radio. And Yahoo Launchcast. Enlighten. Empower. Enrich. This is CBS Radio's The New Sky. New Horizons. No boundaries. All day long, we're devoted to your emotional, physical, and spiritual well-being. With your direct connect to the stars, Lisa J. Smith, The Dr. Pat Show, Liz Souza, Barbara Mackey, Glynis McCants, The Wake Up Call, with L. Newman and Tom Force. Let us know how we're doing. 248-545-7685. Log on. Newskyradio.com. 24 hours a day. Your spiritual well-being is our concern. Awaken the extraordinary. Live the life you've imagined. Look up to the sky. CBS Radio's The New Sky. Newskyradio.com. New horizons, no boundaries. Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal. With Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-7. Newskyradio.com. Believe. Is it true, as some claim, that reptilian aliens walk among us? What is the evidence for such a far-fetched claim? While some of our political leaders are pretty weird, is it true that at least some of them are reptilians in disguise? My very own governor might just be the scarecrow from the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> but welcome to the 229th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Ben, and opening the show with those pretty wacky questions is my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. Yeah, it's a pretty wacky subject. Uh, Our guest tonight is supposed to be Bill Burns, and we all know uh, from uh, Randleship Series and from UFO Hunters, uh, uh, New York Times award-winning, I should say New York Times best-selling author, etc., etc., good friend of ours. However, we seem to be unable to reach him so far. We will try him again during the break, but in the meantime, we will introduce the subject and hope for the best. Uh, I will introduce also Bill, just in case we can get him. Uh, anyway, in his first appearance with us, hopefully, since our 16-hour series on the Rendlesham Forest UFO affair last year, we're delighted, uh, hopefully, again, to welcome back our good friend, Dr. Bill Burns. Uh, Bill, a uh, New York Times best-selling author, editor, book publisher, and literary agent. He's best known as publisher of UFO Magazine and the star of the History Channel's UFO Hunters. Bill is also the founder and power behind Future Theater Network. He holds a law degree, Bill's a real renaissance man, and received a Ph.D. from New York University in 1974, among uh, many other books. He is co-author of the blockbuster hit The Day After Roswell with Colonel Retired Philip J. Corso, now the late Colonel Corso. Uh, Bill's websites include futuretheater.com and www.ufomag.com. And we'll have to save our welcome for when we can reach him. Okay, I'll just remind you here, too, that our call-in number here on CBS New Sky Radio, newskyradio.com tonight, 248-545-SOUL, that's 545-7685. Or if you're listening on a computer, use the nifty instant feedback feature to the right of the, uh, New York, uh, I should say, the newskyradio.com homepage as you listen live. Okay, uh, our subject tonight is... Um, reptilian aliens now let me i was going to ask bill to do this but i happened to find a an apt description i suppose as good as anyone i've seen before uh, for such a wacky subject 
in a book uh, called The Secret History of Extraterrestrials by Len Caston, someone we hope to have on the show uh, very soon. Quote, the reptilians are a fierce, tyrannical race from Alpha Draconis. Now, I wasn't sure if that was a real plant, a star system, so we looked it up, and sure enough, it's a star system in the, uh, the uh, of course, the Draconis. constellation Draco. Right. You have to know your case endings here in Latin. Uh, sometimes referred to as re- reptiloids because they are human-like in basic form. But their skin is scaly, and their faces are lizard-like with vertical slit eyeballs. They are up to eight feet tall and very strong. They are considered by some extraterrestrials. They are considered by some extraterrestrials to be master geneticists, but others claim that they have botched many of their genetic experiments. I guess that I can believe if there's any truth to any of this. Uh, their most powerful capability is mind control, and in this they are considered undisputed experts. There accounts for this ability. This accounts for their ability to seemingly shapeshift, that is, to take on a human appearance, because they can plant that illusion in the mind of the observer. Their mind control expertise also manifests as mastery of propaganda, a capability that they passed on to their fascist compatriots. Right, I guess they're tying them in here with the Nazis and the fascists. They are in league with other reptilian races from Rigel Orion and Bellatrix Orion. Those are real systems, too, I believe. Together, because that doesn't mean that any of this is real. Uh, together, these races are referred to as the, the, the Draco Orion imperialists, and they have taken over many of the star systems in the 21-star cluster in this section of the galaxy, forming the Draco Orion Gray Empire. All right. The Draco Orionites are referred to as interventionists because they boldly seek to enslave other races, like the fascists they, that they sponsored, you know, obviously implying that they were pretty chummy with the Nazis, I suppose. They are cruel and merciless. Their ancient enemies are the humanoid races from Andromeda, of course, which is a neighboring galaxy, Arcturus, Lyra, the Pleiades, and Sirius, all known star systems. The main Pleiadian faction is from the planet Era, which goes on and on and on, referring to the Galactic Federation of Light. Um, we talk about some pretty strange things on this show. I haven't heard of this. Where, who, whose book is this? Oh, this is, this is Len Caston, see? The Secret History of Extraterrestrials, Advanced Technology, and the Coming New Race. And the only reason I'm reading this is because uh, Bill is in here. So the reason we asked Bill Burns to talk about this subject was because... Bill is, is a pretty well-respected fellow, uh, level-headed, yeah, you know, uh, in, in areas. Uh, there are some who, you know, are wild about his techniques on UFO hunters, but we've always found him to be a very, very helpful and level-headed chap when it comes to the subject of UFOs because th- that is not our primary expertise. Our expertise, of course, uh, Ben and I, is, is in paranormal research and the subject of uh, ghost uh, studies, or ghost research, poltergeist, things of this kind. And only recently have we gotten into uh, research of Uf- on UFOs and things of this kind because our cases with ghosts and this sort of thing have led us right into them, uh, which is a subject we have discussed. So uh, here we are. Uh, I'm going to try to reach Bill during the break, but in the meantime, uh, we can begin to discuss this, this subject. Now, uh, I, I would like to have him with us because, as I say, we don't know a lot about it. However, this does set, thank you, tend to come up very frequently, this notion of reptilians. Now, if you look at, what is it, I guess YouTube or any of these other video outlets, there are people who constantly have photographs and videos of, say, politicians 
were supposed, who they claim are reptilians in disguise. And, you know, you can see in the pictures the, this, the, uh, the eyes go kind of uh, reptilian and with the slits and all this business. Now, because anything can be faked and usually is. So you may ask, why are we even discussing this subject? Well, one reason. Uh, according to quantum physics slash multiverse principles that Ben and I live by and base our paranormal work upon, and are the only, for me, the only conclusion uh, from my paranormal experience uh, over the f- last 40 years, all possibilities fully exist somewhere or some when, or else we wouldn't be able to conceive them. Therefore, even the, to us, craziest ideas, such as this, demand some serious consideration in the interest of complete honesty. So here we all are. That's why we're discussing that subject. Ben, do you, have you read much on this subject? Uh, without Bill here, it's difficult to discuss, but uh, well, it does come up frequently in UFO research and sometimes and even the um, writings and discussions we have with people uh, about alternate history, uh, not alternate history, but, but the, uh, the amnesia that the human race seems to suffer about its own prehistory. These things come up. What, what, what say you? I have no idea. I've never, <laughs> I've never really, like, I mean, I've had my theories about things, but never reptilian-type organisms, because, you know what, I just don't buy stock into, oh, well, you see, there's all these other planets out there that can sustain life, and by life, they mean people like us. So, yeah, it, it's just, I don't know, I find that space travel and trying to study space is very ambiguous, and it's very, very hard to follow, and it's just insanely hard to measure. So, take it. I just take it or leave it. I take it with a grain of salt. Well, I would too. But with our own, if you look at our own work, which has to do with parasites, and and this is one of the things I wanted to get into with Bill, and again, hopefully, we can get him on here uh, as soon as possible. These are names. These are terms. We refer some people who. Work in the paranormal, uh, particularly people who just work with uh, ghosts or phenomena of that kind. They think ghosts, poltergeists, maybe demons. Are we, are, are we separate say, it. Into yeah, or we say parasites. But could what we're talking about the same process for all the paranormal, and that that's that's critter, creatures and uh, various phenomena occurring between worlds, moving across the boundaries of worlds. Uh, and so, whether you call them parasites, ghosts, or aliens, or UFO, or reptilians, could there perhaps be, if there's a common process by which they work, could they sometimes become confused with one another? Look at the whole Mothman thing. Well, look at, well, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, okay. Well, if you remember from that book, it said, well, they helped the Nazis out. Well, that just sounds insane, but actually, one of the Nazi scientists that actually ended up coming over here during Project Paperclip was he worked for NASA. It wasn't Von Braun, it was some other guy. Mm. guy with a big beard that supposedly developed an anti-gravity device. I don't really put much stock in that, but the fact that he said, well, we were helped out by aliens, and they helped us with our technology, and that's, an, that's not a direct quote, but he said something to the effect that had the word aliens in it, and it's interesting that they make that correlation. Yeah, it's true. Um... I suppose there is every reason. Well, look, we talk. We talk in terms of parasites influencing families, individuals. We we run into it all the time. We know it happens, and a lot of people do. They may use different terms, but we 
talk about entities that come across the world boundaries and literally feed upon the negative energy of other people. Yes. And that, that's real. Uh, we see it all the time. I've seen it for 40 years. It's one of the first things I ran into, most unexpectedly, of course. But is there much difference between that and the, the, the process and the phenomena of what we're talking about with reptilians? In a way, there is, because we're not saying that parasites masquerade as human beings and start running around among us and uh, start n- not just that, but fooling with our genetics, although who knows, and becoming political leaders in disguise. I mean, I don't know if I'm quite ready to go that far. But again, in, in the multiverse, all things not only are possible, but all things exist somewhere, somewhere. And we're coming up on a break now. We're going to try to get hold of Bill uh, once more. If we can't, uh, we're going to go to our Plan B, which is, of course, uh, reporting on the paranormal news and dealing with some emails. Uh, very disappointing, actually. And we'll have to reschedule the reptilian thing if we can't reach Bill. Uh, we did, however, sch- schedule Bill again for next week to co-host with us because our show last week, of course, was about the paranormal and the family. And some of the reactions uh, we have gotten are really quite amazing. And uh, people have asked questions, uh, really asked us to continue with that subject. And we plan to do that next week with Bill uh, on the subject of not only what you do if you have ghost phenomena in the house, what do you do if you discover your children involved in cults or your parents involved in cults that came up last week how do you deal with that as a family but what happens if somebody comes to your child comes to you in the morning and said he's been abducted by aliens or if your daughter says that uh, she's seen a uh, ufo hovering over the house we actually have cases like that that we're, we're attempting to find out more about so bill's going to help us i hope next week with that as a co-host because as i say he's the expert in ufos and and we're not so in the meantime Try and stay with us here. We're going to be doing some interesting stuff, whether Bill's with us or not, here on Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS News Sky Radio, newskyradio.com. Stay with us. Join Kimmy Rose on Interviews, Thursday nights from 9 to 11 p.m. Together as a community, we will embrace the challenges in life and find a way to experience heaven on earth. Spiritual teachers and Kimmy will bring you insight on how to change your life and embrace purpose. Interviews this Thursday night starting at 9. It's all about what's within you.
CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248 545 Soul. New SkyRadio.com. Well, here we are back behind the paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. We uh, gallantly attempted to reach Bill Burns again, our scheduled guest for tonight, but uh, apparently something has come up, and uh, I hope everything's okay with him. The last time this happened, uh, there was a a real unfortunate uh, tragedy in the family of the guest, and I hope that's not the case with our good friend Bill, but we'll find out and and, uh, get back on another show with Bill. In the meantime, uh, our good friend and uh, show reporter, uh, as we understand, David Marsh, is is with us tonight to, to rescue us from the horror of dead air. David. Bless Hi, ben. Your Hi, Paul. How's guys done? You know, oh, I, wanted to call, I wanted to call in and discuss this with you because the one thing you said that's real interesting to me and I've been working on lately, and that's the uh, some of the parallels between doing paranormal work with ghosts and spirits and some of the UFO and alien um, parallels as well. And I've been doing a little research into quantum physics and the theory of relativity as well. Um, and what I've been leaning toward is a very big curiosity as I apply um, Einstein's theories and relativity. Um, as, and the way I understand this from a layman's perspective, and I want to get your perspective on it, if something is able to travel faster than the speed of light and approach our planet, be here and join us, be walking amongst, among us. If you will, you know, agreeing we're in the same a frame of perspective, according to those theories, it would have to almost literally have no mass, like ghosts, like spirits, almost no mass. And the reason I've been so curious about this is because after uh, a couple of specific ghost hunts, and I'm not sure if I wasn't psychically protected well enough, but something really got into my psyche. Something really got into me, really got to me, and I couldn't tell the difference. I was either being fooled into being made believe this could possibly be alien, or it was a very good spirit piece that was fooling me very well, and I couldn't tell the difference. 
and it uh-huh. took a while for me to get through that. It was a real rough patch, as I'm sure, you know, any in, any very um, long-lived uh, paranormal investigator goes through sooner or later. So I just kind of wanted to get your perspective on that. Okay, so that's a very well-stated question, David, and it's something that comes up rather frequently. One of the problems with all of us is that we, at times, especially early on in our careers, not that you're inexperienced or anything because you're not, but at any point in our careers, even if you are experienced, you can get hit with stimuli that you've never felt before, right? Because all possibilities, as I say, are out there. Now, the entire notion, now you're right, as far as, as, as I understand, you know, I'm no, I'm no physicist, but as far as I understand, uh, the theories of relativity here, uh, the the less it does affect mass is affected by the speed exceeding the speed of light uh theoretical particles such as tachyons i don't know if they're that theoretical anymore uh, supposedly can do this but all your points are, are well taken however again as we always say on this show i don't know if einstein's theories are good enough to explain these things i don't know if travel is even necessary in that sense for Anyone, even even if we're talking about Earth and another planet in uh, what is it, Alpha Draconis or whatever? whatever. Not Alfred, Alfred. Uh, Alpha Draconis. Alpha Draconis. He lives down the street. Anyway, Alpha Draconis. Wherever uh, traveling. uh, Here's here's an example. Here is uh, there's there's one experiment in quantum mechanics that has been done again and again, and apparently has proven that, that 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 particles a great, great distance apart can travel, or rather a particle can travel a tremendous distance without traversing the space in between. Okay, now whether that's done by exceeding the speed of light, I don't know. But it's, it, it sounds to me as if it could be done simply by traversing a world boundary. You know, it's, it's wormholes to the 10th power. That's kind of what I'm saying. So what we're discussing about mass, and, you know, we're a little fuzzy on on the notion of spirits as such i you know personally i don't believe that 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 a ghost can be a full being without its body or vice versa certainly we see that at funerals so i don't know if you if i'm explaining myself clearly here what i'm getting at but i don't know if any of this is relevant to that kind of travel i mean in in uh, on the level on which we're speaking about it these things seem to come and go, and in UFO studies, or goes, they seem to come and go, bingo, just like that. Could be because of the technology to, to exceed the speed of light. Could be because of psychic power to exceed the speed of light. Or it could be simply stepping across the threshold of a world boundary. That's what we see all the time, things coming and going, and we're learning to do it ourselves. And it's very simple, no technology required simply the right frame of mind and the right frame of reference. So I, I don't, am, I, am I answering at all what you're asking? No, yeah, you, you are. And I know my experience was just so incredibly um, psychically tangible. Can you it talk was, more about it? Yeah, I mean, I felt like um, I would get signals um, of information um, that felt like it was alien source, um, that would, that I would then, and yet, and you know, from, and our listeners don't know, I'll, I'll explain real quick. You know, I, I have some additional tools. I do shamanic work, and so that gives me some additional tools as well, and I have some sensitive and psychic abilities as well, too. 
Hence so the stimuli. I think yeah. when they hit me, whether it was spirit or let's say possibly alien, and and walking that walk for a minute and saying that it was alien, I was actually felt that I was at a point to take a perspective and not be controlled, however deeply affected. And so I was able to take more of a perspective and actually resist and say, look, you're not getting to me. But I had one thing that I'd never had in my paranormal career, and that was a sense of fear, but not legitimate fear. Uh Like something was being sent to me that was designed to make me afraid, that was designed to manipulate me. And that would insinuate to me that there was an intelligent, conscious, non-tangible, but yet force, and that that got into me. It wasn't, and and I agree, if it was a ghost or a spirit, there wouldn't be this much intelligence to it. This is textbook, you're describing textbook parasite experience, as we call it. Now, you said the magic word, Dave, and that's control. And as uh, Mr. Kasson was writing in his book that we introduced the show with, control is a big part of these, with, again, these are words, it's like the word fairy, as Ben once pointed out, it's the word fairy that, that, that inspires disbelief, not necessarily the concept or the idea of such a being. So maybe the reptilian thing, it inspires disbelief simply because of the word. But the fact remains that you had this experience, and so do millions of others, this idea that something's trying to control you. And and I've had people who have been um, simply involved in, in the ghost hunting hobby or are trying to do it seriously who have run into this uh, much to their own surprise and shock, just as you've described. And I'll tell you another thing, David. You sound very much like Jim Peniston. Uh, of the Rendlesham, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to any of the Rendlesham shows, but we we had a whole show where Jim was describing just such an experience, such an experience as you have, maybe not so much the control, but 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 the idea that something was trying to give him information, download as he calls it, when he touched this this craft that was sitting on the floor of that forest in, in England, you know, and his description, your description reminds me very much of his, and that obviously seems to be certainly an, an alien. Uh, sort of experience, although he himself did not feel they were aliens, he felt they were us at some point from some point in the future, and there were all yeah. sorts of other factors involved. So uh, it's a familiar experience the way you describe it, as far as us hearing of such experiences. But um, yeah, there is a lot more to this than meets the eye, and whether you call them reptilians or parasites or what, maybe this is what's going on. Attempts and, to and what was strange, Paul, was that it took. Um, every cycle or every color of the spectrum of that type of information or emotion from, um, from hey, we're going to give you a gift of, of the information to expose us. To, expose them. Um, yeah. If you ever tell anybody we're going to make you this or that, you know, and that's not describable. That's more of an emotional fear or feeling. But being sensitive and what? that... That electrical tingle feeling I always got when there was a spirit close. Yeah. If I watch or get involved in anything near UFO, uh, you know, information, watch TV, listen to your show now, that feeling intensifies with me for a long time, and it's better now because I've, I've done things to get to get through that. 
But that conflict and that deep installed um, energy flow was very tangible for for, for a very oh, long yeah. time. For we have the same experience. Yeah, the same experience. Let me give Ben a chance here to respond as well because he, he's our he's our resident. Shamanic student, expert, whatever. Don't say that. Well, whatever. But just, uh, you have more experience with that than I do. With what? Well, w- with shamanic experiences and, oh, and running oh, into that, these things. That, so, uh, yes. how would you respond to David here uh, as far as what happened to him? Well, it's a step in the right direction. That's pretty much the most, that's not the most I can say, but that is the least I can say. And what you're going to have now is even more crazier experiences than this with which will probably frighten you, or you'll be extremely excited. Either or, they're both steps in your path towards becoming more shamanic. Well, what's he dealing with? What's he dealing with? And how can he defend himself? Well, for one thing, there's a reason why it happened. So, maybe it's a learning experience that you need to learn for yourself how to defend yourself. Spiritual common sense. But basically, what I think is that you'll eventually learn your own way because we all can't protect ourselves in the same way so just try and ask guides for help make sure this doesn't happen to, or try to avoid situations like this again or just accept it uh, not accepting it that's not a good word I don't know oh, and, and I understand exactly what you what you mean um, Ben and you're right and that's been the way it's worked I mean, there's been so many wonderful shamanic journeys and experiences and guides. And this information has never crossed over into my journey shamanic uh, into the spirit world or any of the three spirit worlds. It's purely a physical, conscious, physical installation, if you will. And yeah, they seem to be physical over. guys, yeah. Yeah, it's a, yeah. And, and so it's been, it's been a very physical uh, invasion um, as far as into my psyche. But in that spirit journey world that you're talking about, you're right. It, it never intrudes, and it can't. Yeah. Because that's, I, that's in and I, of its own. We, um, we, have a but, bre- we have a break coming up. Uh, and I, I wanted to know, if, could you hold on through the break, David? Because I wanted to talk a little bit more about protection. Sure. Okay. Uh, okay, folks, you're listening Behind the Paranormal on CBS News Sky Radio, newskyradio.com, and we'll be right back. So stay with me. Enlighten. Empower. Enrich. This is CBS Radio's The New Sky. New horizons. No boundaries.
Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Scar. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call me 248-545-SOLVE. New SkyRadio.com. Believe. And we're back on the subject of reptilian aliens tonight. And our guest, Bill Burns, apparently was not able to make it. We're going to have to reschedule with him. But we are pursuing the subject uh, with our good friend and show reporter, David Marsh. And David was discussing his experiences, unexpectedly running into a sort of uh, uh, alien experience while pursuing what he thought, I guess, was it was, a, I guess, a ghost case. Is that it, David? That's right. Yeah. That's right. And uh, uh, I was hunting a, uh, an abandoned uh, uh, psychiatric hospital. Okay, and, uh, that's interesting. And uh, not, you know, not, it wasn't a uh, sanctioned hunt or any place that went out hunt. It was in a literally abandoned facility. Uh-huh. And um, I got hit and hit hard. Yeah. So we're talking about possible defensive measures. And, and we've said earlier in the show that the reptilian uh, uh, lore has it that these are physical creatures who have, uh, can, can mimic the appearance of human beings and have had great influence on our government. And they sound an awful lot to me like what we're always talking about as parasites or what folklore might call demons or what have you uh, that will, will come in and, and influence in a negative way, feed upon human energies that are negative and influence people in a negative way, push buttons, create fear, cause confusion, things of this kind. And this does actually seem to be what they do. Now, whether they're physical reptile-like creatures or from another planet is another question. Right. So but defensive techniques. Defensive techniques, right. exactly. So what I have taught myself over time, Mr. Marsh, is that when meditating... Like to control your energy. Um, you know when you've meditated and you just start shaking in the middle of it. Have you ever had that experience? Okay. Well, I found a way around that after months and months of testing things, different methods, and all that. And you probably have too. I'm not entirely sure, but basically, if there's a way to distribute your energy throughout your body before, like, you actually meditating in itself, and from there you can manipulate your body's energy so it goes around your body etc forms defensive layers kind of like the white light kind of thing except much less concentration is involved so basically instead of concentrating on white light you just sort of do this do a couple things when meditating different hand gestures or whatever and then bam so you don't need to picture the white light whilst meditating so you're not focusing on that specific thing when other things are going on all around you that is one defensive mechanism if People have the patience to learn how to do that. Well, certainly uh, that that that's good advice, but also uh, exterior defenses as well. If you were to come to our house, a lot of people comment, people who are sensitive, that it's like a, a, a spiritual fortress, and it's. I rely a lot on on ancestors, and we've talked about that from here and there. And, and people in the West uh, kind of say, "What do you mean?" And you know, people are interested in their ancestors. That they can go on ancestry dot com and find out if they had a crown on their head. That's when people are interested, or if they had bucks or blood. It goes it goes far deeper than simply genetics and physical relationships. It goes across the multiverse in a form of love that a lot of us are not used to experiencing. And I talk to people of Eastern descent, people from the Orient, for example, who are, uh, for whom ancestors are very much a part of their spiritualities and their lives. They know exactly what I'm talking about. So we have a lot of very powerful ancestors whom we call upon to protect us. I trust them more than I do a lot of the... Uh, I'm a little antsy about the notion of spirit guy. You know that, Dave. You've, you know, you've 
here hurt us a lot. Uh, the notion of spirit guides and this kind of thing. Not, not that, that it's, it's always uh, not reliable, but I trust ancestors a lot more personally. Other people may have other opinions. So I think uh, calling upon one's ancestors is another very important uh, uh, thing to do. Oh, uh, is that... Uh, Yes. All right. Tell them to get on Skype. Why don't Why don't, why don't you? Because I'm on the air. I'm on the air. I'm on the air. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, we have Bill Burns calling a Ben's cell phone here. Just, just answer, please. Yeah, I'll go all right. Well, tell them to get on Skype. Oh, too late. Oh dear. We'll call him back. Oh, I'm sorry about all this confusion. Anyway, David, our dear friend, uh, that th- that would be some of the advice for uh, as far as defensive measures are concerned. Now, were you to uh, let, let me let, let's go a little deeper with this. Uh, I'm sure you've heard the stories of strange, strange bases, say, that the reptilians supposedly have established on this planet. I don't know anything about whether this is true, of course. There was one supposedly in the Midwest, and there's a report of someone who's gone down uh, into the the area, I guess was working there, and strayed too far into a particular tunnel and supposedly ran into a bunch of reptilians, and there was a, a, some sort of gunfight or something. Now, again, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. I mean... This to me, I mean, anything is possible, but I just it's, it stretches the, the um, to me the the realm of even my credibility. So um, I don't know. So I mean, I don't know if you don't know anything about that. But as far as defense yeah, against and, something like and, that, and, you know, I can tell you what my my research and my curiosity has led me to a hypothesis, if you will, and that is um, these um, alien beings walking that road that they exist, um, taking up habitat, if you will, and similar abandoned facilities that attract hobbyists, hobbyist paranormal investigators, and opening them up to these kind of hits. And I'm just curious about that possibility, because that's where some of my instinct for this, as well as some of my research for this, has been leading me to be very curious about. You're right. That bothers me too. Um, we're gonna. We're just gonna try yes, to call Bill here. Call him. He'll He's hear on. some strange sounds, and uh, we'll try to get Bill. But uh, stay with us there, uh, David. But no, I think that, that's a matter of concern uh, for, for for us as well. Um, we're gonna have to wait till the break. Okay. Okay. Call him. Tell him we'll get another couple minutes, please. Well, I, t- I told him if you okay, minutes, all right, give good, him a call. Good. Okay. So anyway, there we are. But uh, again, David, thank you for your call, and please let us um, keep us um, updated. Keep us updated here on this. This is very interesting because I think we're on to something here that's very important for people to know. Uh, they have to get beyond terms to what's actually happening, and I think you've helped us do that tonight. But thank you, David. Thank you. Good night. Okay. Right. Okay, we're going to take a break right now. Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Menino on CBS New Sky Radio, NewSkyRadio.com. We'll be back, hopefully, with Bill Burns after the break. Stay with us. I'm trying to tell you something about my life. Maybe give me insight between black and white. The best thing you ever done for me Used to help me take my life less seriously It's only life after all Yeah Well, darkness has a hunger that's insatiable And lightness has a call that's hard to hear And I wrap my fear around me like a blanket 
The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal. With Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOL. New SkyRadio.com. And we're back, and we're very happy to have our scheduled guest, Bill Burns, with us, a better late than never. And we've been talking about reptilian aliens and a lot of parallels that seem to exist between certain UFO phenomena, particularly them, and some of the things we run into in terms of what we call parasites. And we were talking with David Marsh about that before. Okay, so, so Ben's going to pick up with some questions here. Okay, so we were talking earlier about what the definition of these reptilians were and how they, well, we read in, what was the name of the book? Uh, it was Len Caston's book, uh, Secret History of Extraterrestrials. Yeah, Secret History of Extraterrestrials. And, and Mr. Uh, Glenn there was just uh, like... Marsh. Mr. Mar- no, not Mr. Marsh, the guy who uh, wrote the book. Oh, Caston. Oh, Caston. Len Caston. Len Caston, right. Len Caston, I got the L mixed up. So Mr. Caston was saying that they are basically intergalactic fascists who just want to take over everybody and enslave other races. So... In your opinion, what is their agenda? Well, do you even, does Bill even believe in them? I yeah. Mean, you know. first well, first of all, I, um, I, I, I think the I think there are a whole number of issues that uh, that arise with this. Uh, one major issue is how many different life forms, and this is what get this is what gets exciting. How many different life forms do, do, do human beings, sentient life forms, do human beings share this planet with, if any? Okay. Mm-hmm. Are we, are human beings the only intelligent life form? 
Well, we know we're not because of uh, dolphins, for example, dolphins and whales, which have families, which operate. So, I mean, there are other intelligent species on planet Earth that uh, have language, are able to make predictions, are able to plan, things like that. And so we know that. The other thing is this. Um, would there, if anything, be a scientific basis? Because a lot of people who really argue for the existence of reptilian creatures believe they're not extraterrestrial. Mm-hmm. Believe they don't come from another planet or another reality, that, that they're right here on Earth, that they live in inner Earth. And so it just raises a whole bunch of issues. So would there be some kind of scientific, scientific, uh, premise, even if it's only speculative, for the existence of creatures that might live on Earth that are alternative life forms, and and the answer is yes. For example, we know that <clears throat> we know that Velociraptors, the prehistoric um, creatures of prey, they're predators, were able to hunt in pairs, work together, um, hunt as a group. Well, what if? What if? And 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 I spoke to Nick Redfern, who did write the book about monsters, men chasing monsters, about this. And one of the things he says is that when you go to places like Puerto Rico, some of the remote jungle areas of Puerto Rico, when you go to remote areas around the world, what you find is there are all sorts of stories and eyewitness reports, not just legends and tall tales, but eyewitness reports of scaled reptilian-like creatures, whether you call them reptoids, reptilian aliens, whatever you call them, they're scaled um, bipedal creatures that are um, that are either plant eaters or they're predatory. So just speculate on this for a second. Let's say that as Earth's climate began changing, right, hundreds of millions of years ago, after the age of reptiles, and, and it began changing, Groups of reptiles made their way through caves, caverns, uh, tunnels, into warmer and warmer parts of the planet where they had oxygen, where they could find food, where there was, where there was water, where they could multiply and basically form groups. And over the millions and millions of years, and we're talking more millions of years than it took for human beings to evolve, from the early, from the early um, um, pre-hominids, right? Mm-hmm. Over the millions and millions of years, these creatures evolved socially. They evolved to have a language. For all you know, they, they might have evolved um, certain telepathic powers that human beings have, but we lost uh, because of spoken language. They, um, we know that all animals react to sense uh, smells react to taste, react to color if they have uh, rods and cones in their eyes. So think about this. And, and language might not just be the language that we know with a certain kind of vocal grammar. There could be a whole bunch of different interpretations, different ways they can communicate. Sure. Over the, over the hundreds of millions of years, this species evolved to be an intelligent social species sharing planet Earth with human beings and basically not happy about it. But what did they do? So they evolve a kind of a symbiotic relationship with human beings. And that might well explain the presence of these reptilian-like creatures on the planet that um, nobody can account for. It would also explain this thing. It would also explain why in the Bible, and this is where there's so much in the Bible that that can be interpreted other than simply this is a pure religious lore. Oh, yes. Why is the serpent 
ordered to crawl on its belly. I mean, what does the serpent do? Walk on two feet? Walk on four feet? I mean, how does the serpent <laughs> I, move around? I brought like that up that? in the seminary. Nobody wanted to talk about it. Of course. I mean, there are so many things that you bring up. Yeah. There are so many questions that you bring up of, about the Bible that really make the people teaching religious studies very unhappy. You know, yeah. Oh, you know, boy. The Nephi Tell me about it. They survived the flood. Where did they come from? How come they were here at the same time Adam and Eve were when Adam and Eve were the first human beings? Does that mean that the Nephilim were not human beings? Exactly. Yeah. All sorts of questions arise, especially when you read the thing in the original. Knock your socks off. You know. That's right. Read it in Hebrew. Okay. Well, Ben's good. I think we can work in one more question here, Ben. At least. Okay. So, what about the really fringe stuff, like reptilians having bases in the Midwest or pretending to be politicians? Or have people seen the once too many times? Well, there's also a theory that 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 operates here is that reptilians are shapeshifters, and that there are certain people with certain kinds of eyes, and you could tell they're reptilians. And and uh, if you read some of the stuff that David Icke has written, yeah, uh, which is interesting, yeah, oh, yes. says that uh, uh, that oh, and this is where he and I seriously part company. That uh, although I can. I can go along with the fact that reptilians may exist, okay? I can go along with other forms of life on planet Earth. I can go along with the werewolf, things like that. There's such a thing as medical vampirism. There was a serial killer up in uh, Genesee, New York, up in, uh, near Rochester, that, um, ate and that, that ate humans and drank their blood, and it turned out that he had a disease called cryptopyroluria. He's in jail for life. His name is Arthur Shawcross, very famous case. Back in the nineteen, back around nineteen eighty-nine, ninety. So I can go along with that. I can really figure that out. But and I can understand how the whole legend of vampires might have grown up during the era of the bubonic plague in the fourteenth century. I mean, you can you can see that. However, the fact that or the argument that oh, there's a whole race of human beings. Uh, David Icke uh, in I forget which book it is. I think it's one of the biggest secrets. Has Bill Clinton on the cover? Argues that Bill Clinton, Queen Elizabeth, you know, certainly the those in power are really reptilians. And he says, "Well, you know," and he goes after all the quote unquote Zionist bankers, which makes me mad. And it says that, well, as you know, uh, he argues that the that the um, priestly class in the Old Testament, the Levites, the company, mm-hmm. that these people are really. Um, reptile aliens and they're the ones that are ruling planet earth and of course my argument to that is that you don't have to have a class of reptiles you don't uh that's paranoid stuff that to say that there is a ruling elite on planet earth even if there were no extraterrestrials and no reptiles is a fact sure there is a ruling elite on planet earth always has been Right? There always has been. Uh, I mean, you look at the Habsburg monarchy. You, uh, you look at uh, the Carlisle group. You look at, I mean, you could just see in modern society, just go watch the movie Inside Job about the financial crisis, and you'll actually get the names of people who are in the ruling elite on planet Earth. You have the Dean of Harvard Business School, things like that. It's just, it's, it's a frightening movie about how they made money. So you don't need aliens, mm-hmm. right? You don't even need to argue that. My argument is that what if there, what if hundreds of thousands of years ago, at, even before the dawn of human civilization, when when uh, during the during prehistoric times, um, that an alien race came to planet Earth 
and found a group of uh, compliant hominids and bred that group into what we are now calling human beings. What if that was the case? And that's why there are other life forms on planet Earth. There's a Sasquatch, a Yeti, and things like that. There we go. Bill, I'm afraid I have to stop you. We're we're almost just about out of time here, but uh, enough fodder for another show, definitely. So, uh, Bill, thanks, and we want to thank our producer, too, Will Kosnick, and we'll see you right here next Sunday, April 10th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific, on CBS New Sky Radio, NewSkyRadio.com. When, when Ben and I will host an open line show to handle some of the reaction we got to last week's show on the paranormal and the family, and to continue with the subject beyond ghosts and the occult. For example, what happens in the family if someone claims to have a UFO contact or an abduction? And Bill Burns uh, has kindly agreed to join us once again as a co-host to help deal with those issues. And we thank you for that, Bill. We'll look yes. forward to next You're week. You're more than welcome. Okay. okay. So all our podcasts are available at our show website, www.behindtheparanormal.com and newskyradio.com. And in the meantime, check out our New England Drive Time show on Mondays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 Pacific on WON, 1240 AM in southeastern New England and on, on ON Worldwide, onworldwide.com. And we thank also uh, David Marsh, one of our show reporters, for calling in today and asking such uh, amazing questions. Bill and David uh, speaking about this subject of reptilians on two entirely different levels, uh, just going to show what a complex topic it really is. And uh, we're going to continue it. I think we're going to do another show on this subject, too. And I'm sure it will come up next week as we deal with questions from uh, the family perspective on how to deal with uh, experiences that members of families have. And uh, we will leave you with a thoughtful quote from that really strange 19th century Irish poet and cynic Oscar Wilde. Nothing that is worth knowing can be taught, unquote.